Good morning. Let's go to the Lord Jesus in prayer because I don't know about y'all this morning and I really need it. (laughs) All right. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God of mercy and grace, God of steadfast love, that you're slow to anger, and you keep steadfast love and faithfulness to your people, Lord. God, since that's your character, we put our hope and our trust, our faith, 100% of who we are in you because we stand before your people to do a daunting task which we're completely inadequate for. Uh, So Spirit, I pray that you would move, move upon my heart, uh, move upon the hearts of your people. We'll let your gospel go forward, clear, understanding ways. Use me as your vessel. I give you the praise, the glory, and honor. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. All right. So, yeah, you guys see it up on the screen. Joshua 1. We're going to cover verses 1 through 9. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to cover the first nine verses. Before I get started, I just want to say, thank God that we're not having any issues with this microphone yet. It's bound to happen, but it's not happening yet. So we thank God for his grace in that. All right, so my lame joke probably gave you all enough time to to find the, the passage. So let's go ahead and read. Joshua 1, beginning at verse number 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to start off today. Uh, and I want you to pay attention to three things in particular uh, as we go through this text and as I go through this sermon. Uh, I'm going to uh, give us three pivot points, and the markers for those three pivot points will be three deaths, three deaths. So keep that in mind as we are going through this sermon on today. So on April 4th, 1968, some of you guys already kind of know where I'm going with that date uh, because some of you were alive and you know exactly where you were on that date. But on that date, my grandmother, uh, Bobby Sue Davis, celebrated her 23rd birthday. And I'm sure if my grandmother was here, she'd tell you that her day started off just like any other normal day. Uh, she probably got up and took a shower. She probably brushed her teeth, styled her hair, got dressed, and walked out of the door to start her day as normal. But something happened later that day. Uh, and on that day, uh, we have come to know that day as the day that a gunshot was heard around the world. It was because on that day, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was gunned down and brutally murdered at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, as many uh, questions, as the, as the news began to spread, I'm sure that, that the people who heard the news had many questions on their minds. Like, who did this? Uh, or or did, did the police capture Whoever did this. Uh, so but among the many questions that people probably had, the main question that I think that was probably on their minds was. What are we going to do now? Now that the great civil rights uh, movement leader, now that this great uh, gospel preacher and this great uh advocate for justice now that he's dead what are we going to do as this passage in joshua opens moses has died joshua opens the book with the death of moses and i'm sure just like the people who were involved in the civil rights movement. I'm sure that the question on the people of Israel's minds was, what are we going to do now? Now that the great prophet is dead, now that the only pastor that we've ever known, now that the only leader that we've ever known, now that he's dead, what are we going to do? Thankfully, our God had a plan in place. And God elected Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. This actually happened beforehand in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 38. 
God selected Joshua to lead the people into the promised land instead of Moses. Because in Numbers 27, uh, God saw that Joshua was a man filled with the spirit. He saw that he was a man after his own heart. Now, my friends, if you know me or if you've spent any time around me, you know that I always like to change the trajectory of how you think about the books of the Bible and how you think about uh, what's written in the Bible. And so I want to kind of do that right now. Now, even though this book bears the name of Joshua, I want you to know that the story is ultimately not about Joshua. You see, Joshua is not the focal point of this passage. Joshua is not the focal point even of the entire book that bears his name. This book is about God. This book is about the sovereign and powerful God. One of the major themes of the book of Joshua is that Joshua is that, excuse me, is that God, Yahweh, is a divine warrior who fights on the behalf of the people of God. So, being that Yahweh, our God, is the focal point of this book, I want you to see how he is about to put his sovereign power on display. You see, in Genesis 15, Yahweh makes covenant promises to Abraham. He promises Abraham three things, excuse me, two things among others, uh, but two main things. Yahweh promises Abraham an heir or offspring, even though Abraham was well past and his wife, they were well past childbearing age. And he also promised Abraham a land for him and his offspring. And God, Yahweh, our God, intends to keep his covenant promises, despite the fact that Moses has now died. You see, in verse 2, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, people, into the land that I am giving to them. To the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will, will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. He continues in verse four uh, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And he continues, no man shall be able to stand before you. All the days of your life, just as I was with the servant with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Even though Moses is dead and gone, it does not change God's promises. Even though Moses is now out of the picture, the only leader that the people had of Israel had known up until this point, it did not change the fact that God intended to keep his promises. So, if Yahweh, our God, the sovereign God, is the divine warrior who is going to fight on the behalf of his people, why does he tell 
Joshua in this passage to be strong and courageous. That seems a little awkward. That seems a a bit odd. If I'm going to be the one that's going to be doing all of the fighting, I mean, we see it in chapter 6. We see the fall of Jericho. And the people of Israel did not lift a hand. They didn't lift a finger. So God is working here. God is fighting. God is, is getting the victory here. So if God, the divine warrior, is going to be fighting on the behalf of the people of Israel, why tell Joshua to be strong and courageous? Also, isn't that who Joshua has always been? I mean, think about it. We, we kind of we, we kind of know the Bible a little bit, you know. And so if if you know anything about Joshua, you know that he's a bad dude. Right. You know, he can fight. You know, <laughs> he uh, led the people of Israel into many battles in which they won. Uh, and when the people of Israel uh, first looked over into the promised land, it was only Joshua and Caleb who wanted to take the land. He was courageous. He was already brave. And also, he had already received this command from Yahweh in Deuteronomy 31. So it also kind of seems a bit redundant as well. But I believe God, Yahweh, tells Joshua to be strong and courageous for two reasons, among others. Yahweh is reminding Joshua of his identity, of who he is in God already. So I'm I'm reminded of, and I'm I'm probably going to lose some of y'all with this one, because I'm a boxing fan, and so I'm about to use a boxing illustration. So y'all stay with me, okay? But I'm reminded of a fight between uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, their very first fight. And in their very first fight, uh, Roberto Duran uh, was able to get Sugar Ray Leonard off of his game plan. You see, Sugar Ray Leonard was a world-class boxer. Like, he was the best. He didn't lose. He never lost. And so what Roberto Duran was able to do was to get Sugar Ray to forget his boxing identity and turn him into a brawler. So he lost. And so then he went back and thought about it and said, I'm Sugar Ray Leonard. I don't lose. How did I lose this fight? And so he thought about it. He realized that he changed his boxing identity because Roberto Duran turned him into a brawler instead of the world-class boxer that he was. And so they had a rematch, actually. They had a couple rematches. And in the second rematch, it's the famous, some of y'all know about this, the famous no mas is when Roberto Duran didn't want to come out of the corner. So that just lets you know how the, the second fight went. It went that way because of the simple fact that Sugar Ray Leonard remembered his boxing identity. He remembered who he was. So similarly, uh, God, Yahweh, is reminding Joshua that this is already who you are. You are strong. You are very courageous. This is who you are. It's an encouragement. The second reason, again, like I said, among, other, among others, 
that Yahweh encourages Joshua to be strong and courageous is because this command would have given Joshua all types of confidence. It would have served as an amazing encouragement to know, firstly, that God is fighting and not me. And secondly, that the the victory is already done. So this would have given Joshua tremendous courage and tremendous uh, trust in God. But I want you to know something about Joshua. He needed this encouragement because he had never been the sole leader of an entire nation. He never led an entire people group. So this was completely uncharted territory for Joshua. You see, he was a strong leader. He was a strong warrior. He had led the armies. But he had never led an entire nation of people. And Yahweh encourages him that I will be with you wherever you go. Now, I'm reminded of when I was a kid. We used to take walks around the neighborhood that we lived in. My family, my, my dad and mom and my, and my sisters. Uh, I'm one of five kids. I have no brothers. So that just tells you how I grew up. Anyway, uh, but anyway, we used to take walks around the neighborhood. And for some reason, there, there were always stray dogs in our neighborhood. Like they, they were everywhere. Like the way that we see squirrels and, 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 and birds, that's the way that stray dogs just roamed around our neighborhood. And it, and it was never like the, it, it, it was always the vicious breeds, like the one, like the huge breeds, like chihuahuas, the one that, that, the ones that come at you for real. You know what I'm saying? And so my dad would say, if for any reason we get attacked by a dog, don't run, stand behind me because I can protect you. If you run, if you get out of my presence, I can't protect you. If you get away from me, there's nothing that I can do for you. So similarly, Yahweh is telling Joshua, being strong and courageous guarantees my presence that I won't leave you and that I won't forsake you because I'm doing the work anyway. So after that encouragement, Joshua probably would have felt a whole lot better about leading an entire nation of people. But what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the village church and for the universal church as a whole today? I don't have to get all in your business to know that every single one of us is going through something. Uh, there's something uh, that the old school church where I came from used to say, like, everybody goes through storms. Either you're headed into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, getting ready to go into another storm. And that's just kind of the reality of, of life. 
So we're all dealing with something, whether it be health issues, work issues, spousal issues, children issues, financial issues, whatever it is, we're all struggling with something. Some of us may even be unsure about the next chapter of our lives. Some of us may be going through transitions. Uh, Maybe some of you guys are getting married. Maybe some of you guys are having kids like we just did and like the Pierces just did and like the Powells just did. You, You know, so we're all, like I said, we're all in motion in a sense. So we're all transitioning. For me, I consistently struggle with the future, with worry and with fear of the future. What am I going to do when I graduate seminary? How am I going to provide for my family on a pastor's salary? Because every, every, I would just be real with you. The stuff that you see on TBN and all of that stuff, no, that's just not, that's not real at all. And, and so I, I have questions. I have, I have doubts. What is church planting going to look like for me in the future? So I'm constantly and consistently struggling with a fear of the future. But my encouragement to all of us as the people of God is the same encouragement that Yahweh gives Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous because God knows. Be strong and courageous because God cares. Be strong and courageous because God is present. Be strong and courageous because God is working on our behalf even when we can't see it. So consider this. At the beginning, I told you that we were going to consider three deaths as pivot points. And just as the people of Israel wondered, what are we going to do now after the death of Moses? Just as the people during the civil rights movement wondered, what are we going to do now after the death of Dr. Martin Luther Luther King Jr.? I'm sure that the disciples were asking the same question as Jesus hung on the cross. You see, they, they had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had heard the profound teaching of Jesus. And that it caused them to go all in, to put all of their chips in on a, on a carpenter from Nazareth. I mean, just think about that. Like in, in our day and age, that would be like, I'm going to go all in on this plumber from Coleman. It's super random. You know what I mean? So they went chips all in on a carpenter from Nazareth. And when he died, all of their hopes, all of their dreams, everything died right along with him. It was all gone. Their dreams were dead. Leaving their families behind. All of the sacrifices that they had made were for nothing. When Jesus died on the cross. But I'm glad, I'm thankful that we know that the story doesn't end right there. Because Moses stayed dead. You can still visit the grave of Martin Luther King Jr. today. 
So he's still in the ground. But at the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. And so I'm thankful that our God is faithful to keep his promises because at the third day, Jesus resurrected from the dead. And as we go through life, as we go through the struggles and the evil and we face the evils of life, we can be strong and courageous because God is faithful, because God is present, because God cares, because he knows. And he was willing to bear our sufferings along with us. He entered our sufferings himself. And one day, our triune God will bring his covenant promises to complete fruition in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what we can look forward to. That's what we have. One day, we'll get to see him as he is. It's not money. It's not cars. It's not fame. It's not a great name. I, I bid, I, I put this before you. If you get to heaven and it's just you and the triune God and you're upset, you need to reevaluate your faith right now. I'll say that again because that's real. If you get to heaven and there's nobody but you and, your, and the triune God and you say, well, dang, I was expecting more than this. If that's if that's where your trajectory is, you need to reevaluate your faith right now. But the amazing thing for us is that one day as the people of God, the question will no longer be what will we do now? But the question will be, my God, what will we do then? What will we do then? Amen. Let's go to our God in prayer. Father in heaven, we rejoice in the finished work of Christ. We rejoice that your spirit has given us the power to live, to be strong and courageous people of God. And Lord, it is your word that sustains us in that. Just as the book of the law sustained Joshua, it is your word that sustains your people today. Lord, let us look to your word. Let us look to the truth of your finished work at Calvary because you are not only the example but you are what gives us the power to live strong and courageous lives and no matter what it looks like no matter who may disagree we want to live biblical lives whether that makes us marginalized politically, whether that makes us marginalized socially, whether that makes us marginalized by other people who call themselves the church. We want to be empowered to live strong and courageous lives without fear because we know that we have your presence. And we know that you 
are making the crooked ways straight. You are the one that is at work and not us ourselves. So, Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for that. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.